Welcome back to After the Buzzer Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. In today's episode, I will be joined by Colin, and in today's episode, we are going to be talking about the Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals, the Bruins taking home the win last night against the St. Louis Blues. Then we're going to talk about uh, the Lakers and kind of their whole front office situation because uh, there was a um, article this morning on ESPN by Baxter Holmes that is kind of more inside information and it's added to the dumpster fire in Los Angeles and kind of why I still see... For some reason, I'm so positive about the Lakers situation. It's a dumpster fire, but I see positive in that dumpster fire, and I'll tell you why. And then we are going to play some friendly wagers. So first, all right. So first, we're going to start with the Bruins game last night. So let's get to that. All right. So last night, you had the big win for the Bruins. One on the board. Three more to go, and we went four to two over the St. Louis Blues. But the beginning. The beginning had you a little worried, you know. It had to, it had to have you at least the slightest bit uh, worried last night. What would you say? How would you feel after that first goal went in for the Blues from Braden Shen? Uh, uh For me, I felt like yes, this is why the Blues are for real. Now I wasn't panicking, saying we're gonna lose the game because we won the no. first goal. My prediction was my specific prediction was that you'd win this game three to two. You won four to two because Mar- Marshan had the empty netter. At the end, but Wait, my what was my prediction? I uh, well, I'll pull it up. But I my prediction—I remember my prediction. It was three to two. Maybe mine was like. And I predicted two. you get the first goal in the first period. Like it would be pretty rusty, but I thought you were a little more prepared, and you'd take advantage of them because you'd get the rust out a little before them. And you'd score there late in the first period, and and then uh, in the second period, they'd answer back with two goals and kind of just dominate the second period in a way. Uh, you get a few scoring opportunities, but it'd be two one blues, and then you come back from a two one deficit to win the game and score two in the fourth period, uh, third period, excuse me. Uh, but you did come back from the two one period, so my prediction was pretty good. You predicted a two to one game, so you were you were not bad, but you were a little off there. Uh, my prediction, just that empty netter again, it was three two until Martian's empty netter, which I'm happy about because I picked them to score in friendly wagers, which I struggled at again today. Um, but after that first goal, I was like, yes, this is why the Blues are for real. Uh, they came out and jumped ahead. And then the Tarasenko goal, I can't blame that on Rask at all. Uh, that was just a bad play by uh, Chara there. Just a lazy pass. And this team doesn't usually get lazy. They're usually laser-focused. But that second goal woke them up. And at that point, I was like, great. You're down one nothing. The Blues have kind of outplayed you already. And now you're letting up lazy goals like that in the Stanley Cup Finals. But then after that, the Bruins woke up and it was a hockey game. That second period, third period is really good. Um, you're down 2 nothing. You know, people starting to panic a little. And then Connor Clifton comes in and gets that first goal. That was big. Uh, before that, like, Johansson had a great move to the uh, net. Just missed the post. Like, hit the post. Uh, and Clifton gets you back in the game. And then Bruins fans are like, all right, yep, 2-1. to we're, we're back in it. And then McAvoy scores in the power play. You know, fourth power play. It only took him four tries. Um, that was ridiculous. Uh, but when uh, – who was it that got foul? Uh, not foul. Jeez. That um got – on that play, it was the fourth power play. It was um, who went down to take the um, penalty. It was, God, who was it? Um, I just forget now. I think it was, I don't think, it, I think it was, yeah, it was Connor Clifton. 
who had scored your first goal. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but um, Oscar Sunquivist. I'll try to do it. He had the penalty, and I just see Clifton smirk on the, the ice, just knowing he just drew uh, the penalty, and you got the two minutes, and McAvoy tied up 2-2, two to two, and that shot went in. Oh, I was so happy. I was like, yep, we're right. We're Now it's a tie game. We're back at 0-0. And that's the one power play goal of the whole game. Oh, we'll talk about that later. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's 2 2. I'm like, yep, we're back in it. Now the momentum's kind of Boston side. And then early in the third period, Sean Corrali. Now, Sean Corrali last night was amazing. He had a goal. He showed up in every category. He had three shots on goal. He had a goal. He had an assist. He was plus two and plus minus. He had a few hits last night. Uh, he had some penalty minutes. He won some face offs. The way they use Corrali is so good, whether he's playing on that. You know, a little bit on the top line. He runs that fourth line, though. The fourth line is great. That fourth line is one of the best in hockey. It gets you a lot of goals, your fourth line. But it's all ran by Sean Corrali. And I think without Corrali, that fourth line's not that great. Sean Corrali is that X factor on that last final fourth line. That's very crucial to this Boston Bruins team. And last night, again, a goal and an assist. He really set up that um, Connor Clifton goal. And, again, he just runs things down there. Whether it's Noel Chari, Chris Vaught, Wagner down there with them, any of those guys. Uh, you know, Wagner came out, Achari came in. Same thing. They're producing goals, they're producing points, and they they've they've that fourth line's been great, and I think it's ran by Sean Corrali. And then the Tory Crew kit. Now, the Tory Crew kit was great. I think it was clean. Some people didn't think it was clean. He never left to you know, he did end up leaving his feet, but when he hit him, he that was a clean hit. By Tory Krug. You take the 5'9 guy's helmet off, he comes back. And let me tell you, Tory Krug, I have a lot of respect. I'm not a huge Tory Krug guy. He's an undersized defenseman, a liability defensively that gets points here and there offensively. Like he's an offensive threat ish. He doesn't get a whole lot of points. Uh, and he's just a defensive liability. But I respect him because he has competed hard. He's only 5'9. Sometimes he's not always going to win those puck battles or those, you know, all these types of things. But he competes real hard every single night and that's why I respect him so much you know his size he's not going to win everything but he really he tries hard and I really respect him at that point when that hit happened the momentum was just all the blues just at that point the little they had a little bit of momentum at that point you had most of it they had a little bit of it and you just that, that hit right there just fell right through their palms into your hands and you took all the momentum from that point on uh, battled out the next 10 minutes or so, and Brad Marchand scores the empty netter. And again, you're taking your goalie out with two minutes left, over two minutes. The Hurricanes are the same thing. Listen, the empty netter, when you pull your goalie, that's when you say, well, this this is all, you know, all else fails. Like, that, that's when you go in full panic mode and you say, this probably won't work, but we have to do something. That, that's what you do. And I get it. Every team does it. If you're down by, you know, a goal or two with a minute left, you pull the goalie. It's just what every team does. Personally, I hate doing it because it just never works. But it's the really the only option at that point unless you're going to score even ice, uh, which is very hard to do uh, within a minute. You, you have to score right now. It's hard to do. Uh, but they pull the goalie way too early. There's two minutes left at least. You know, I know you want to try to spark something because, you know, how you know two minutes isn't even a lot of time. That's like a power play. And last night, clearly, both teams couldn't score in the power play. One for seven combined. Bruins one for five. Blues 0 for two on the power play. But 
I'm sorry. Pulling your goalie only down by one with two minutes left is way too early. Uh, pull it with 50 seconds, one minute left, and that's just me. Uh, that is just me. Maybe you totally disagree, and if you do, call in uh, on anything or just that subject, Anchor Mobile app, type in after Buzzer Sports Talks, and then a voice message. But I just believe that pulling the goalie that early just – you know, then you just lose the game. But from there, I believe in pulling the goalie if there's only you know 45 seconds to a minute 15 left. And that time spans where you pull the goalie. If you have the puck in their zone with a minute and five seconds left, I'm alright with it. But if you have the puck in their zone with two and a half minutes left, all right. You know what? If you have the puck in their zone with two and a half minutes left, and you're moving the puck well, you you just created a solid chance, and you seem to have control over the puck. I'm alright with it. Maybe. But I just think two minutes is usually just too early in very rare circumstances. If you're down by two goals, I understand, but they were only down by one. And it's not like they had great control in the Bruins zone either. What do you think? About what? Just just the game in general. Okay. Uh I thought it was well fought by both teams. Yes. And I I really like both teams' energy. Like I thought this was a pretty like, even game. Like, the Blues were good in the first period. It was kind of even in the mm-hmm. second period. I think Bruins, the Bruins beat them in the yeah, second period. Yeah, li- just by a little bit. They, they were, I think they might have been... Wait, no. The Bruins... No, no the, the Bruins, Bruins destroyed them in the second period. No, I thought it was... Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking about third... The Bruins no, outshot no, no. them, I think, 18 to 3. No. Th- the Bru- th- Blues got yeah, three no, shots. No, no, that, no, I meant, the Bruins destroyed no, 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 them in that period. Meant, Bruins won that period, and then the third period was well fought by both. Well fought, but the Bruins had a goal, the yeah. big hit by Tory Krug, and had another empty netter. The, I think they definitely won that period. Yeah, they, I say they won even. the. It was kind of. They won it by a pretty solid margin. They the first period was won by the Blue, Bruins. I mean the Blues. Second period, the Bruins destroyed, and the third period, the Bruins won by a pretty significant margin, almost as big as the second period. I believe the Blues really didn't do a whole much more in that third period. Sure, they fought well, but you know this doesn't mean they 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 won the period or they didn't. came close. I never said that. they. Did. Yeah, you said it was closer than you thought. No, it wasn't yeah, it was close. closer than you thought. It was not that close. Yeah, it's a lot closer than no, you thought. No, it, it wasn't. They destroyed them. They, they, they not not, no, not in the third period. Yes, they did. They, not did. Destroy them. they didn't destroy him as bad as the second period, but it was up there. Mm. You scored a goal early, and at that point, the Blues just looked a little defeated. They still fought, but they looked a little and defeated at that point. What happened? Then the Tory crew hit. They have no momentum at that point. Going into the final ten minutes, they had no momentum. So the, you're Bruins had, the Bruins had scored three unanswered, including one just eight minutes ago gameplay-wise, and the Tory Krug hit was one of the biggest hits in these playoffs. Might be one of the most remarkable plays in this series. End up being So you're telling me the the Blues didn't do good because Tory Krug hit a guy? Well, it changed the momentum. You just said they they had no momentum. Yeah, after the hit. No, you said before the hit they had no momentum. They had a little bit. Not uh, much, but any that they did was gone, and they were just defeated by then. By then, they were defeated. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but mm-hmm. I think you're underestimating. No, the Blues. I I'm not underestimating the Blues. I was the one that came into the series and said, "Don't sleep on the Blues." Yeah. I was a, you were the one that picked you... them in five games. I picked them and, in six. And now look what you're doing. You're I'm saying the they blues. didn't play as good as you say they did in the third period. Mm-hmm. You're saying they played, you know, significantly better in the third period than they did in the second period. 
Yes. Not by a whole lot. No, I'm sorry they didn't. Go pull up the stats from second and third period and then Uh two goals by the two goals by the Bruins actually I don't care about goals. I want to see all the Blues. The Blues scored in every period but the third period. Yeah, I don't care about goals scored. That's not. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying it's just throwing in a fact that they didn't score. I mean, yes, I do agree that third, third. Yeah, they scored in the second period but not the third period. Their third period was better than that second period. That goal, second goal was given to them. I'm agreeing with you there, but to say that it was actually a close margin for who won the third period is a ridiculous statement. No, it's not a. I said it's kind of even, if you really think about it. What? How about if you had to split it up in percentages? What do you mean? Like the Bruins won it. Like let's say the oh, Bruins. Like like Blues won the first. No no no. Like I'm saying like I don't know how to put it, but like, like the se- Bru- like seventy five percent to twenty five percent, like out yeah. of a hundred, yeah. That, I'm going to say Blues won the first period, 75. Yeah, but I'm talking 25. about the third period. Oh, 30. Oh. I'm going to say, like, 70. No, 65. What? 65? They destroyed them in the third period. I know what you're saying. Like, they fought well and, you know, all of this. But, they, I'm sorry. They fought well, played better than the second period, but... They played horrible in the second period. They had a goal gifted to them. And other than that, they after that goal gifted to them, they had two more shots to the 18 the Bruins had and the two goals that the Bruins had. But so I'm sorry. talking about the second period. I know, but you're saying, you're, you're making, listen, 65% to 35% isn't exactly a, you know, tight, tight margin, but it should be bigger. It should be around, the Bruins won that period like 78 to 22%. That's what I'm saying. Somewhere around that to 30 in the third period. I'm sorry. You're. I talked about how don't sleep on the Blues. And I'm not sleeping on the Blues. I'm just saying that third period wasn't as good as you're cracking it up to be. Mm. Listen, they might have fought well-ish. Not as good as the Bruins. But, yeah, they fought well at times. But you let up. I get given one was an empty netter. But two goals and that big hit, again, took away all the momentum you had at that point in time. Which may not be a lot at the time, but it, it it was just a big hit that really just deflated the Blues. And I think after that hit, the Blues didn't stand much of a chance. And you know, I I don't know how you can you can see it as that tight of a margin. Again, it's not too tight of a margin. I don't know but... how you can see a full momentum swing off of one hit. It wasn't a full momentum swing. It it that hit is a full momentum swing in other circumstances. But at that point, you had three unanswered goals. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you already had most of the momentum. So the reason it's not a momentum swing that hit is because you already had most of the momentum. Now, if you're if the momentum is, you know, pretty even, but it's in the Blues' favor, you know, most of it's in the Blues' favor, after that hit, you know, it might tilt in your favor. It kind of depends on the circumstance. But that hit usually can change momentum. In this case, it didn't change momentum because you already had a good pretty much all of the momentum at that point. The Blues had a little bit, and any of that momentum or confidence they had, you pretty much took it all away, and I still think they fought 
but they were pretty deflated after that and knew they didn't stand a whole heck of a lot uh, big chance after that hit. That hit was big. It wasn't the most impactful play. I can name a few more off the top of my head that were more impactful, but that hit was just big, and it was exciting as a viewer to watch, and it really got the crowd into it even more. They were roaring after that. And at that point, the Blues just three unanswered goals. You just had your... um, teammate just get absolutely crushed by a 5-9 midget in Tory Krug and at that point they're just like yeah I'm just saying in future games you should definitely look out for the Blues there oh yeah and there's no doubt this isn't gonna be a sweep I'm sorry the Bruins played well yesterday I'm not gonna don't get me wrong after the way they played yesterday I feel like I've seen a few people say sweep no 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 the Blues are still a solid team don't get me wrong they're too conservative like at the end of that second period just you know chewing the clock with 30 seconds left like that's they're not gonna win if they do that if they do that type of stuff i'm not saying you know because they didn't score there like i didn't expect them to but they play too conservative they're not gonna win playing conservative against the bruins i'm sorry the thing about the bruins is though if you do something they can do it a little better than you or almost as good as you so that way you don't destroy them uh you know what i'm saying like against the maple leafs you know, the Maple Leafs may be faster than the Bruins, but the Bruins were fast enough to keep up and make sure the, you know, Maple Leafs didn't run them out of the building. With the Blue Jackets and these blue, this Blues team, you know, the Blues might be a little physical, you know, a little bigger, but the Bruins hung in there and didn't make it in, didn't make it, you know, Super obvious. Yeah, no, not even that. Just didn't make it so much of a margin. Like, they, you know, the Blues might be a little more physical than the Bruins, but the Bruins made it so it wasn't that much. And then the Bruins are way faster than, the like, the Blues, especially the Blue Jackets, and just kind of ran them out of the building. But that's the type of stuff I'm talking about, skate them out of the building, whatever. But, um, yeah, that's kind of our uh, Bruins uh, thing there. Again, I just think, Colin, you think it was a little, the Blues played a little better than they really did. Uh, in that third period. But now we're going to get to the uh, the whole dumpster fire in Los Angeles, but why I still see positive there. Uh, so we're going to get to that starting now. All right, so this year the Lakers may be just the most talked about franchise despite missing the playoffs, but they have, they're probably the most valuable franchise in the NBA. The Knicks worth a little more of it. It's probably the Lakers, honestly. I'm not afraid to admit it as a Celtics fan. Uh, but obviously, if you know me, I've kind of been like so positive about the Lakers situation, even though it's a dumpster fire. Uh, you've obviously had, you know, there's some chemistry issues. Oh, and then the whole Rich Paul thing, which is part of the story. But we're kind of mostly facing on the behind-the-scenes thing within the front office and that type of stuff. Excuse me. But, you know, all of a sudden the Lakers haven't made the playoffs in five straight years. Well, it's currently six. But going into the offseason, five straight years, they signed LeBron James. You know, you know, all of a sudden, first of all, it started in 2017. Magic Johnson and Rob Palinka took over. The Lakers fans felt saved in a way. Obviously, Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson has made many bad trades. We're not even going to talk about the free agency, but many bad trades. You know, the D'Angelo Russell trade, just to name one. I mean, he did get Kyle Kuzma, but let's be honest. That was the 27th pick. He didn't expect to get a player. You can't expect, I'm going to trade the 27th pick to get some future all-star. That's just not how it works. And Brooke Lopez, please. For D'Angelo Russell, gave up on him way too early. Obviously, there was the whole problem. They let Julius Randle go. Look what he's turning into. Thomas Bryant is one underrated one free agency. 
But yeah, he just made some bad decisions. But Lakers fans felt they were saved. Then they signed LeBron. Lakers fans just thought, all right, instant playoffs will be title contenders in no time. It's kind of like Showtime is back with LeBron. Then you got Magic Johnson in the front office there. They're going to sign some big-time free agents. You know, we're probably not going to win the finals the first year with LeBron, but we'll make the playoffs, go on a good run, then we'll sign some free agents. It'll all be good. But no, that's not how it worked. Genie Buzz. Uh, okay. <laughs> James Dolan of the West. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, but the Lakers are just, they're, they're, they caution with drama. I know if you're in Los Angeles, you're just gonna, there's just gonna be drama. It's just how it works. But this much, they are just a dumpster fire. Obviously, you have the on the court issues of the fact that they just, they're a bad constructed team. I'm sorry, when you signed LeBron, some of the people, we were all sitting here saying, Rajon Rondo, JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson. What are these guys? These aren't the guys that LeBron needs to win a um, championship or go far in the playoffs. I mean, like, some of these signings, like Rondo wasn't a horrible one, but th- these aren't the pieces. This is what we he expected. Needs, he needs a guy who's, like, kind of – he's not an all-star caliber player, but he fits well with LeBron, he, and then he needs if, another if they want to win a t- if they want If they want to win a title, they, they need, need another. All, yeah, yeah, they need some so all- this this Here's the need. thing. Their role players have to be better. They need 3 and D role players. None of these guys are 3 and D Except role Josh players. Hart. Josh Hart. Josh Hart. Yeah, he's They have won good. Josh Hart coming yeah, off the he's... bench. Josh Hart, a 3 and D. Like, how, even coming off the bench, how good of a 3 and D player is Josh Hart? Like, he's your only one. He's not but, very good. Yeah, he's not even a great 3 and D player. Like, just 3 and D-wise, he's not even that good. Josh Hart is your only one. And Kuzma can't shoot the 3. He's super inconsistent, not a great defender. Ingram. Forget- three-point shooters. He you should no- sign Andre Roberson. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Uh, <laughs> just uh, weird. But you have all those on-the-court issues, and Magic Johnson steps away. It is just chaos, right? Rob Polinka, who I really don't like, uh, would never sign that guy to be my GM. Um, uh, but you have these on-the-court uh, uh, behind-the-scenes issues. So you have Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka were butting heads. Uh, Magic Johnson um, accused Rob Polinka of a backstabber. Rob Polinka obviously made the whole story up about Magic Johnson, that whole thing. And then Rob Polinka called Magic Johnson a lazy worker. So when you're two guys that have the car keys right there, they have the car keys, and they don't agree on things, that's that's not a, that's not a good thing. They created friction, that friction created drama, and that drama created uh, the opposite of success, if you will, in Los Angeles. And then you have Rich Paul plays a factor into this. He apparently goes on like the team plane and whatnot to some of these games. Uh, apparently he only went on there once, but he kind of just really diminished the, um, you know, I won't say, you know, confidence in a way, but chemistry as well. Because when Rich Paul, the agent of LeBron James and many other stars, you obviously have Rich Paul kind of set this whole thing up with Anthony Davis. So when Rich Paul, so let's say you're Alonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, if you're seeing this guy all the time that's trying to get you out of there for another guy that's his, how, how do you feel about that? So it obviously kind of diminished all that chemistry. That was a huge thing. Uh, and Rich Paul, I mean, I personally – you know, if I was there, I'd probably say, you know, you got to step away from the team. You're not part of the team. You're an agent. And you can be with LeBron all you want, but you can't be around this team. It's obviously causing problems. And they're they're kind of a dumpster fire. But 
Personally, then you have Jeannie Boss who oh, just Jeannie needs to Boss. figure things out. Um, but well, the reason I see LeBron light at James. the end of the tunnel, and this, you know, it's easier said than done, what I'm about to say, but here, here's what you gotta do. Really. Here's what you gotta do. You gotta fire up Palinka. The first move, you gotta fire that boy. You, He's gotta get out of there. He just, he can't do it. He's not, he's, he, he I'm sorry, he can't do it. And he needs to get out of there, and... That's the first move I make and get a new GM. Um, you know, that'll make the staff feel much better. You'll get a much more trustworthy. Because, again, the staff didn't even trust what he was saying half the time. It'll take some anxiety and stress because two staff members quit. Because Magic Johnson and Rob Polinka were putting too much pressure on them and it caused anxiety. When you're causing anxiety on your staff members, that is not a good thing. So, you know. Fire him and get a new guy who can be easier on the staff that'll, you know, help him relax. Like he, a guy you that know, can make better decisions. I know it's easier said than done, but it's not that hard to find somebody better than Rob Polinka. That guy is just horrible. You know who I like for this job? Uh, the Thunder, the Thunder's old GM. I forget his Sam, Sam Presty. Yeah, Sam, yeah, Presti. Sam Presti. And I think he's good for this job because look what he did with the Thunder. He he made them from like a pretty. Like a mediocre team with Russell Westbrook, they're flipping guys out of nowhere. They're they're flipping Victor Oladipo, who wasn't good at that time, for and Demontes Sabonis for Paul George. They get Carmelo Anthony when he was good at the time, uh, and then they get some other role players like Nerlens Noel and uh, what's his name? Oh, Terrence Ferguson. All adding to like the role players. Yeah, I I'm Sam Presti. I'm pretty sure is. The are still the GM, but he's not a, a yeah. yeah, but he still has done a good job. I do agree, but um, yeah, I, but the reason I see a bright side is because I was already talking about the Rob Palinka thing, that's the first move, and I know it's easier said than done, but again, you can find a guy at least a little better than Rob Palinka, please. And again, look at explore outside the Laker tree, and then I know the Lakers have so much drama, but I try to shop some of those young guys, I think they're a little overrated. Um, so they're still very good, but they're just overrated. They're inconsistent, and they're not good fits with LeBron. You have to build around LeBron. I still think he's the best player in the Keep world. Kyle Kuzma. Okay, he's a good fit with LeBron. He's oh. an okay fit. I I don't know no. if he's a great fit. Listen, I hear all this stuff about you need a star. You need a star. They need a star to win a title. But let's start with getting some better role players. Their role players are horrible. Fits with LeBron. You need more, uh, what do you call it, 3 and D wings, as I was saying. Those guys who can shoot the three, spread the floor for LeBron, and help LeBron on defense because the effort's just not there for LeBron on defense anymore. We've seen it since his days back in his second run with the Cavs. We've seen the effort just drop down dramatically. And... You just need the, those three and D wings. They've none. Again, Josh Hart. Josh Hart's the one three and D wing coming off the bench. And as a three and D wing, he's eh. For the thirtieth pick in the draft, I'll take it. I'll take a Josh Hart for the thirtieth pick in the draft. But he's not a great player. Um, and I just feel you know you need a you need a, a fresh slate in a way. Get rid of Rob Palinka. Build around LeBron with just a whole different core. And again, you're always gonna have drama. It's Los Angeles. You really have drama with every franchise in a way. It's just how today's NBA is with the whole social media and whatnot. But it's the Lakers. And Honestly, can we just start by firing that whole staff? Uh, Rob Palinko already got Luke Walton. Jeannie Boss next one out the door. Please. Well, he she's the owner. So yeah, I know, but. Yeah, sure, it would be nice. But I, I think you're 
You're hating on her a little too much, but yes, she has nothing she to do. She tried to fire yeah, she's, No, she tried to trade the I law. know, I know. But you, I mean, yeah. I mean, you're overhating on her a little, but I see where you're coming from. She still has not a gun. At least it's not a um, James Dolan. Dolan, yeah. All right, that's a discussion for a different day. I talked about him a while ago. Um, but, again, I'm, I don't want to get too deep into their offseason because we're really going to do a deep dive, or at least I am, at least. Because I'm going to do try to do an offseason breakdown for every NBA team, and I'm trying to start that actually like right around like today or tomorrow. I'm trying to start that and do an offseason breakdown for all 30 teams and share it on the podcast and all, all the different stuff. Um, and I just want to do that. So that's kind of the Lakers a little 10-minute segment there, and just more fire added to that dumpster fire. I'll say it time and time again. But that's kind of why I see some – you know, you still have the best player in the world. You still have young assets. You're still a huge market for free agents to come. I think things will, you know, I think the situation in Los Angeles is a dumpster fire. It's horrible. But it's being overrated a little. There is a situ. There are multiple ways out of this. They just need to get their heads together, take a deep breath, and gain a couple brain cells because right now I think they don't have too many. But by the way, they've been running that Lakers team. They're in uh, risk of missing the playoffs for seven years straight, which in Los Angeles is not going to be accepted. Uh, the Lakers kind of the team over the Clippers, I'd say. Right now, the Clippers seem to be heading in a better direction. But again, I think the Lakers are still a way out of it for them. But we'll see how that ends up. So, yeah, now we are going to get to today's edition of Friendly Wagers. Friendly Wagers! <laughs> Colin's mediocre, but that's okay. Because Aiden's bad anyway. Friendly wagers. All right, so yep, there's a friendly wagers intro now. I know it was probably a little cringy, but <laughs> it's all right. For so, those of you who still are listening, yeah. after that. Um, but yeah, on last episode of Friendly Wagers, here were our questions: Who will have more saves? I said Rask. Colin said Binnington. Correct answer is Binnington. Who's one player who will score for the Bruins? I said Marchand. Who's, uh, Colin said Bergeron. I actually had the only correct answer there. Ber- uh, Marchand got the empty netter. Kind of cheap. But who's one player who score for the Blues? I said Jaden Schwartz. Colin said Vladimir Tarasenko. Correct answer was Tarasenko. Schwartz didn't score. Who will have more hits tonight? I said the Bruins. Colin said the Blues. The Blues had one more hit. Shows my luck. Uh, how many power play goals will there be? I said two. Colin said one. This just shows how lucky Colin has been. He was correct. There were seven power plays. And the best power play team in the league, the Bruins, had five power plays and only scored once. That just shows Colin. I don't don't know what to say. Um, And who's winning tonight? We both said the Bruins. So Colin won today's friendly wagers. He is now 3-0-0. I am 0-3-0. Colin overall in his bets are 12-6. I am (laughs) 5-13. So that is, yeah. But now we have today's questions. So today's questions, keep in mind. There are no NBA. There's no NHL. There is no NFL. There's no college anything. There's no golf. We're literally stuck with MLB and the Red Sox might not even play today. So we have five questions and two of them may not end up even being answered. Some of these questions are just plain out stupid because there's nothing. All right. Will there be more than less than 128 runs scored tonight? Keep in mind, though, this. Okay. Last night, there were 16 games. Tonight, there are 15 scheduled, but three right now are in rain delay. And there were 140 runs scored yesterday. Today, again, 
15 yesterday. All right, let me just put this. 140 runs scored yesterday in a total of 16 games. Today there's 15 games on tap, but three of them are in the middle of a rain delay. So over or under 128 runs, give me less. I don't really know what to say to this, but give me less, yeah. All right, fine. All right, will the Red Sox finish their game tonight? Yes or no? Give me yes. All right. <laughs> give me no just because. How many? Actually, what's the weather? <laughs> it's not raining right now. Here, let me check. Oh, it's raining. It's, it's raining. Oh, yeah, it's raining pretty bad. Yeah, give me no. All right. How many home teams will win tonight? Uh... 15, three games might not happen. Give me six. Only six are going to win tonight. How many do you think? Eight. Eight? Okay, it's going to be seven. Uh, <laughs> if the Red Sox do play, who will win? Red Sox or Indians? Give me the Red Sox. Yeah, I'll take Red Sox. Yeah. Of course you do, because you have to copy me on every single thing. <laughs> All right. If the Red Sox play with David Price, get over or under seven strikeouts. Give me over. Give me under. Cry baby Price. Come up. Come out after two winnings. All right. So, yep. That's, to the grass. that's tonight's friendly wagers. Again, I'm horrible at this. Collins mediocre, uh, but it's good <laughs> enough to beat me. So, uh, yeah, that's today's friendly wagers. I know a little bit of a flimsy of five questions because. Not They're all MLB. Know. There's nothing to talk about. And two of those questions might not even be able to answer. Will the Red Sox finish the game tonight is a question. By tonight, I mean if they finish at like 1 in the morning, uh, I'll let it slide. You know what I mean? If they get to finish the game and it's not rescheduled to tomorrow. But, yeah, that's today's uh, friendly wagers in today's episode. So, yeah, call in on the Anchor mobile app. Uh, after the, Get the Anchor mobile app. Call in on after the sports talk. Send in a voice message. You can also start your own podcast there if you're interested a- at calling in at the same time. So, yeah, thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time.